This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, y'all? Welcome into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land the flagship podcast for LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, and you will be hearing my voice in your ears for the next 20 to 25 minutes as I break down Ohio State's Week 3 matchup with Indiana. Reminder that as a show and as a podcast network, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're on Twitter at HolyLandPod, and of course, we are on Twitter as a site at LandGrant33 and visit LandGrantHolyLand.com for all of our Ohio State coverage this season and all year for all sports. I hope all of you are having a wonderful week, and thank you for tuning into today's show. So what I usually do for these preview podcasts for Ohio State opponents is I'll get somebody from the other side to be a guest, and we'll break down that team, strengths, weaknesses, all that good stuff, how they match up against Ohio State. Unfortunately, this week we were unable to make times work with any potential guests, so you're just going to hear my voice in your ear talking about Indiana and what I think this game is going to come down to from their side and really the Ohio State side as well. But what Indiana does well, what Ohio State may be able to attack this weekend, and overall thoughts about the Hoosiers through two weeks of the season. The first thing I think of when I think of Indiana and how they match up with Ohio State is really how dumb this matchup has been in recent years. Since Urban Meyer was in Columbus, since that 2012 game that just went off the rails in the fourth quarter, basically every matchup has been crazy except for 2013. The 2014 game, there was Jalen Marshall in the fourth quarter just going off and kind of salting that game away late. 2015, uh, maybe the most infamous Indiana-Ohio State game, the game the game that I always say Ohio State should have lost that season instead of Michigan State. They would have rebounded after that one and just wrecked everyone and won back-to-back national championships. But no need to bring up painful memories. The 2016 game, I don't remember a lot of other than it was just very painful to watch. That was a very boring game and one that kind of defined that 2016 Ohio State team, struggled to get a lot of stuff going offensively. I think Paris Campbell almost returned a kickoff for a touchdown. That was a really weird game. 2017 was a close game into, I think, the late third quarter. That was J.K. Dobbins' breakout performance, one that I think there's a good chance that we'll see again against this Indiana defense from Dobbins on Saturday. But that game was close in the second half until some big plays broke it open for Ohio State. And then last year's game was one of those where I immediately threw it out of my mind after the second that the final whistle blew. And I don't remember a ton from, but just looking at the recap right now, Ohio State won 49-26, but it was a 35-26 game after three quarters. I think it was 28-20 Ohio State at half and then two 
fourth quarter touchdowns kind of broke the game open. But it was a close game for all intents and purposes going into the fourth quarter. And that's really the last three years. Ohio State's won by 20-plus, but all of these games have been close. So that's the quick and dirty recent history of this game. And I feel like we all kind of tend to approach Ohio State playing Indiana each year the same way where on paper, not that Indiana is a terrible team by any means, but on paper, this is a team that Ohio State should dominate. They should win by 20 plus points. They're much more talented. They have much more depth. The coaching is better. Just all around, this is a game Ohio State should routinely win by a fairly sizable margin. And it just hasn't played out that way. On paper, I think it's more of the same this year. You look at Indiana, they're 2-0. and Their two wins are against Ball State and Eastern Illinois. They shut out Eastern Illinois last week, 52 to nothing. They beat Ball State 34-24 in what was a pretty ugly game, neutral site game at Lucas Oil Stadium. And compared to what Ohio State has done in blowing out Florida Atlantic, even if there were times where they were a bit up and down, and last week's destruction of Cincinnati, I think you look at both of these teams and you say, this is a team Ohio State should comfortably beat. Maybe not by 25 or 30, just completely dust them. But this is a game that by the fourth quarter, you know, Justin Fields shouldn't have to play 60 minutes in this game. J.K. Dobbins shouldn't have to get 30-plus carries for Ohio State to win. But we've said that before, and Ohio State has had to pull away late. So my biggest question about this Saturday is what can Ohio State do or what's it going to take for this not to be a similar type of game that they've played against Indiana the last basically seven years minus one game? I think everyone's going to focus on how Justin Fields is going to look in his first Big Ten play and what the offense will look like against a Big Ten defense. But for me, I'd like to start with what Indiana does offensively because so far they've been pretty good against ball state they averaged almost six and a half yards per play last week against eastern illinois it was almost seven and a half yards per play and just looking at indiana fan reaction what indiana writers wrote about after those two games it seems like the general sentiment is people were pretty pleased and that's if you know anything about indiana fans especially on uh, our sister site crimson quarry the indiana blog it's that they're pretty realistic and they can be skeptical. So to see everybody be very happy with what the offense has done, I think tells me something that at the very least through two games, albeit against lesser opponents, they've been moving in the right direction and it seems like they know exactly what they want to do offensively. And that starts at quarterback with redshirt freshman Michael Penix. This kid is a lefty QB, so you already know he's one of my favorites. He won the job this summer over the returning starter, Peyton Ramsey, who I think we all kind of know at least a little bit in watching him play against Ohio State. But he got the job, and so far, he's been pretty good. In his first two starts, he's thrown three touchdowns, almost nine yards per attempt, completed just over 68% of his passes. And while it has been against Ball State and Eastern Illinois, I think that's a good place to start for a young quarterback, and that degree of difficulty is going to take a massive jump this week against the Ohio State defense, but from the little that I've watched, he shows a lot of intriguing traits and why Indiana fans are so excited about him. On the other hand, though, he also has a couple of interceptions, both of which he threw against Ball State, which in going back and watching were two very bad throws and two very freshmen throws, and if there's one thing that I took away from studying Indiana and seeing what Penix in particular does, it's that if Ohio State pressures him 
and they're able to confuse him, it really might be a long day for Indiana's offense. So that's really the first key for me in this game as it relates to Penix and what Indiana does offensively is if he has to throw the ball 40 times a game with what Ohio State does with its edge rush and how they've been able to create some havoc plays. I think our formal, former colleague Bill C. tweeted out today that Ohio State is 7th or 8th in havoc rate. They're in the top 10, which is very nice to see after the last couple of years. But Ohio State's getting aggressive. They're swarming to the ball on defense. They're creating havoc plays. They're forcing the issue to force turnovers on offenses. And that's something if Indiana wants this to be a game, they can't do. So the margin for error for them from a passing perspective is very low. And I think that to me is where they probably hit the wall in this game is Penix has his moments, but also this is a tough task to really be saddled with in your first big game is to go go up against this Ohio State pass rush and try to play a clean game. I don't see that happening. Indiana's probably going to have to throw the ball a lot. That means a lot of Chase Young. That means a lot of Tyreek Smith and everybody else coming off the edge. And that's where I think the balance of this game probably turns in Ohio State's favor with some early turnovers. And they force Penix into some bad decisions. He looks like a freshman. But he also does enough to not completely wreck the confidence in him that he's going to be the quarterback for the future there. If they are able to somehow keep him upright and keep him away from a lot of Ohio State pressure, Indiana does have a lot of talented skill position weapons at his disposal. Between wide receivers Wap Fillier, Nick Westbrook, Donovan Hale, uh, the greatly named Ty for Frogel, they got a really good receiving core. They also have Peyton Hendershot at tight end. Nick Westbrook is a kid who feels like has been around there forever. He, I think, played in the 2015 game. He was also, unfortunately, uh, the kid who was injured on the first play on the kickoff of the game against Ohio State to start the season in 2017. He had a huge game last year. I think he had three catches for like 109 yards. I'm looking it up now. Five catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. So Indiana is very deep and skilled at wide receiver and tight end. That's a group that's going to present a great matchup for this secondary. Westbrook or uh, Fillier against Jeff Okuda should be a lot of fun. Same with how Ohio State decides to defend this. Are we going to finally see a lot of that new bullet position with Brendan White? We didn't see a lot of it the first two weeks. It sounds like that was more just of matchups and how the first two offenses in Florida Atlantic and Cincinnati like to play. We saw a lot of the linebackers, especially last week. It sounds like we're going to see a lot more Brendan White. That's very intriguing to see that sort of hybrid look there with another safety slash linebacker on the field is going to be able to match up with, I think is, is the most talented skill position group that they face. So this is going to be a really good challenge for this defense and to really test how much of the improvement we've seen over last year through the first two games is tangible and real against, I think, a good offense with weapons. If they're able to pressure Penix and create some havoc, it might get out of hand early because I don't think Indiana is going to be able to run the ball. They've run for less than four yards a carry, I think, in both of the first two games that they've played. Four and a half, I guess, against Ball State and then 3.3 against Eastern Illinois. So 
I don't foresee Indiana being able to come out and just push Ohio State's defensive line around and keep the chains moving consistently through the ground. So if they're able to get after Penix early, I think that's going to really set the defense up for success. We're going to see more improvement from them, especially in the linebacker core and in the secondary. We'll probably continue to see some turnovers. I think this is the week they finally house one. They probably should have last week when Sean Wade hit that dude and Chase Young dropped the ball. He said he was on the jugs machine, so that's great. Hopefully Chase Young gets a shot at redemption here in the next couple of weeks. But that's like my bold prediction for the week is that somehow, some way, Ohio State's defense scores a touchdown and puts a punctuation mark on this early season improvement. But like I said, this is the best challenge that they've faced so far, especially out wide. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the corners look, particularly what Damon Arnett does, whether that's against Fillier or Westbrook. And if that rotation for Ohio State at corner changes up a little bit beyond uh, Okuda, who that second guy ends up being. Defensively for Indiana, I really don't know much about them other than that they've got lots of experience up front in the D-line and in the linebacker group. They run a position similar to the bullet. They'll definitely, they have the personnel to be able to defend the spread, at least in theory, with what Ohio State wants to do. They have a solid defense so far. They're 44th and SP+. Both Ball State and Eastern Illinois couldn't get anything done on the ground. Eastern Illinois really couldn't do anything against them offensively, no matter what. But Ball State averaged over 7.5 yards per attempt, threw two touchdowns, almost 300 yards on them. So I don't really think that affects Ohio State's game plan. Either way, I don't think Ryan Day and his staff are like, well, Ball State was able to throw the ball, so that's what we got to do. But at least is it's encouraging that if Ball State could move the ball through the air on them, that this passing game will be able to do the same. But I do like that the degree of difficulty for Ohio State's offense has kicked up each week. I don't think this defense is going to end up as good as Cincinnati's is, but to face more talent and more depth this week is going to be another sign of, okay, where does this offense sit through three weeks with a new quarterback in it and a new offensive line? That's another test for this group is you're facing a Big Ten defensive line for the first time all season, both running and pass protection-wise. So that watching that matchup, that whole matchup between the offensive line against Indiana's defensive line, who has a lot of guys back, is going to be very telling about where they are. Before we go any further, we got to take a quick break, pay some bills, hear from some sponsors, and then we'll be back in a second right here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. Another thing that stood out to me in doing research about this on Indiana's defense was how much the subject of missed tackles got brought up. They missed a lot of tackles in the Ball State game, less so against Eastern Illinois, but they got shook a little bit against Ball State. And this is the wrong offense to face if you have tackling issues, particularly J.K. Dobbins. And we've seen him do it to Indiana before. And if those are actual problems for them, then he's slated to have a pretty good game. We saw him break out a little bit more against Cincinnati. And I, I really believe that he's going to be able to do that again. I think we, we saw the ideal J.K. Dobbins last week. And he loves to make people miss if he's just making decisive choices and getting to the second level rather than dancing around. That's when he's at his best. And if he does that again this week, 
that may be the staple that this offense works with right away. I know last week they came out, they really favored the horizontal passing game. They were able to do that with screens to KJ Hill and stuff playing off of that. But I would really like to see them come out, try to run the ball early, see if Dobbins is dancing around or not, if he's able to get tough yards, keep it moving like he was last week. And if they're able to run, really, I don't foresee any way Indiana slows this offense down for four quarters because the passing game, pretty finely tuned right now. The offensive line has been good in pass protection, which is a pleasant surprise, but they're going to have to do it again this week. For Justin Fields, my, my biggest question is what happens when he gets rattled? Because it's going to happen at some point. They're going to play a defense that gives them a nice little shot in the mouth, forces Ohio State to change things up, make adjustments. What's going to happen when Justin Fields' decision-making process is sped up? Because we haven't seen that a ton so far this year. And when we have, he's either panicked a little bit or he's left the pocket But the one thing he hasn't done is make a bad decision. If it's not there, he's just going to throw it away. Even taking a loss is fine. We haven't seen him truly get rattled. We haven't seen him throw an interception yet. I'd like to see not an interception. I don't want to see him turn the ball over. But if he does throw a pick, what happens? What's his response to that? At some point, we're going to have to see how Justin Fields responds to some adversity. And I think we're going to see a little bit of that this week. I'm really looking forward to that. Also, will Ryan Day choose to attack Indiana's defense differently than they've chosen to the first two weeks? A lot of it's been horizontally, and that's really the the staple of Ryan Day's passing game. But Fields has a big arm, and if they're able to run the ball, kind of bring more guys up into the box for Indiana's defense, maybe we do see a little bit of play action over the top. Benjamin Victor has been very solid so far this season, and he excels down the field. Maybe this is the week we, we start to see some deep shots with Victor, Chris Olave, who, I as another prediction, I think Chris Olave is going to have a huge game if for no other reason than we've seen a little bit of it so far, but I think we're going to see a lot of it this week. There's going to be a lot of one-on-one situations for Chris Olave to get down the field. He's going to make the most of him, and I'm betting on him having a very huge game this week. Ultimately, if Ohio State is just smart with the ball, the offense should roll. Like I said earlier, Indiana's margin for error in this game is super small. And if Justin Fields doesn't turn the ball over two or three times and Ohio State is able to force a couple of turnovers as well on Indiana's offense, then it's one that could roll out of control. And if it happens the other way, that is the path for Indiana keeping it close once again or completely pulling off the upset. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's really the key. Indiana can't turn the ball over, has to turn Ohio State over. On that same point, I was keeping up with everything happening in week one of the NFL, and something popped into my head that I think directly relates to Ohio State, Indiana, and how weird this series of games has been lately. And that's playing for a full 60 minutes. Whether it's been listening to Indiana podcasts or reading about them, this week, I've seen a lot of, wow, this game has been really close in the past. The talent level for Indiana, they've closed the gap a little bit on Ohio State. They're, they're not afraid to play these guys. Indiana's depth is a little bit better. We, we know they can keep it close and give themselves a shot. And the only thing that pops into my head is you got to be able to go 60 minutes. 
whether it's against Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, whoever, any college football team, any NFL team for that matter, just football in general, especially if your talent disparity is pretty high, like I still think it is in this matchup. You can't go 50 minutes like Indiana did in 2015. You got to be able to do it for 60, and that's what we're going to see on Saturday. Is Indiana good enough and talented enough, schemed well enough up, and able to cause Ohio State enough problems to be better than them for 60 minutes? I don't think so. I think this Ohio State team is different than the ones we've seen in the past couple years. I don't think you got to worry about an Iowa or Purdue situation here. I think this is a different group mentally. I also think that it's a fun scenario for them to go on the road in the Big Ten for Justin Fields' first career road start. Really, Ryan Day's first road game as a head coach. I don't think you can count the TCU game last year since that was neutral site, but this is their first true road game under this group. How do they all look for the first time on the road and what's a relatively hostile environment? How are they able to handle being away from home? Those are all the questions for Saturday, and we're going to find the answers to at least some of them after this game, which is a great thing. It's going to add another layer to what this team is and what they're going to be in the 2019 season. I really hate playing the predictions game on this podcast, one, because I'm terrible at it, and two, I don't think it leaves a lot of room for context of how the games are played, but I'm going to predict that Ohio State wins this game somewhere in the vicinity of 38-10, 38-17, or like 41-17. to I think Ohio State is going to roll in this game. I felt really confident before the Cincinnati game that they're in a good place, and I feel even more confident after what we saw last week. They know what they want to do offensively. They're going to work to continue to improve on that end. I think we saw it with the running game. We're seeing it a little more in bits and pieces with fields in the passing game, but what we are seeing is pretty great. And the offensive line, very encouraging so far. And defensively, I don't know how we can't be super impressed with what they've done. Cincinnati and Florida Atlantic aren't the strongest competition, but this was a defense that was giving up yards to literally everyone last year. So that alone is is cause for optimism for me with the defense. Indiana has a lot of talent out wide, like I said earlier, and at the skill positions, but I'm really confident that this defense is going to be able to pressure Penix, force him into some bad decisions, and we're going to continue to see those corners, the safeties, the linebackers play well, create some havoc plays, not get gashed in the run game. Baron Browning, this is another game for him to prove himself at that linebacker spot, and Brendan White, we're going to see more of him. And I think all of that is good news for this defense and the team as a whole. So that's why I'm going with, if I have to pick one, I'm going to go with 41-17 to Ohio State rolls in this game. Indiana scores a late touchdown to make it look a little less painful than it actually is. And the offense has another big day. Also, shout out to Drew Chrisman. I haven't been giving him any love on the show this year yet so far. That's why I got to have Patrick because we just end up talking about special teams all the time. Drew Chrisman has been awesome so far this year, punting the ball. That's really flipped field position. And if Ohio State is in a similar spot on Saturday, I think he'll come up aces once again. Chris Olave and some of those other receivers, Jalen Harris, 
seem to be fitting in well for Terry McLaurin on those punt coverage units. So I would continue to expect them to be great in that aspect as well. So those are my thoughts on Indiana and what I think is going to happen on Saturday. Leave me a line at Dubsco on Twitter with what you think is going to happen, what you thought of the podcast as well, what you think of these previews, and just the show overall. If you like it, please go on to Apple Podcasts, subscribe there. You can also follow along on Spotify. And of course, visit LandGrantHolyLand.com to see all of my work and all of our wonderful staff, what they put out. I think we got some of the best content on the web when it comes to Ohio State. LandGrantHolyLand.com and at LandGrant33. Also follow the show, at HolyLandPod. We don't do a ton on there. I guess when I say we, I just mean me because I have the handle. But don't forget, after the game, send your questions there. I'll read them on the show in our Instant Reaction podcast. So be on the lookout for that either Saturday night or Sunday morning. So that's the next time you guys will hear my voice. Until then, though, want to thank you guys one last time for listening to the show. My name is Colton Denning. This is the Hangout in the Holy Land. And go Bucks. <laughs>